Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. It's time to reconnect with Tennis Paradise in Southern California. And we've got plenty of big stars and high-stakes action on day eight of the BNP Paribas Open. An American story will develop in the desert today as four men take the court with quarterfinal aspirations on the line. Plus, the 2022 resurgence of Madison Keys faces a big challenge tonight when she plays for a spot in the final four and how much impact can college tennis have on the professional tours we explore the value and benefits of the college game all those stories and much much more on this desert edition of tennis channel live It is another day in tennis paradise. Welcome to TC Live at the BNP Paribas Open, our one-hour pregame show to get you ready for first ball every morning here in Indian Wells. Half of the women's quarterfinals will be played today, while all remaining men take the court to reach the final eight. Here's our featured matches, including four Americans. Taylor Fritz made his first Masters quarterfinal here last year, while Riley Opelka tries to ruin Rafa's perfect season. Madison Keys in the midst of her deepest run in the desert. And Jensen Brooksby is coming off the biggest win of his career. We've got guys and gals already out on the court getting ready to go today. There is Rafa Nadal in the midst of his best start ever. The three-time champ here has a tall test today. Facing 6-foot-11-inch Riley Opelka. Rafa going for his 98th Masters 1000 quarterfinal. 98th. Masters 1000 quarterfinal. Absolutely incredible. He's got 17 wins. So does Iga Sviantek, the most on the WTA. Got past former world number one Angie Kerber in the last round. She is the winningest player on the women's side. Has taken eight straight matches. With that, we welcome you inside Stadium One. Say hello if you're on the grounds. Steve Weissman alongside my Grand Slam champion teammates and friends. Former world number six, Chanda Rubin. And we've got Paul Anacone, the coach to Taylor Fritz, who, by the way, is leading us off today. So you were out on the practice court, Paul. How's Taylor feeling? Good. Had a, had a battle yesterday. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But uh, always a good opportunity. Uh, stay alive, survive, and play another day. What's it like, Chanda, uh, getting ready for a big-time matchup, round of 16, and facing somebody, uh, t- tough test today. It, it will be against Dimonor. They've, uh, you know, split some meetings. Taylor did win that last one, so I think that should help. But there's always some nerves coming into play. He did so well here. Last year, you always want to come back and, um, you know, at least match that or better it. You have the good feelings from coming back to a place where you've done well. Uh, but, you know, a little more motivation on top of it. So we'll see how he comes out if he gets a good start. But it was nice to see Taylor get through that match yesterday. I'd say it's a lot more calm in the player media dining because most of the players are gone. So you go in there, try to get your omelet, try to get your coffee. You're kind of by yourself. The stuff, I mean, the stuff Steve worries about. 
and there's no line anymore, and that is fantastic. All right, let's get you caught up on all the action from last night. Seven American men in the third round for the first time in nearly 30 years. This was last year, Francis Tiafo meeting Andre Rublev. U.S. Open, big foe won in five. That match lasted three hours, 46 minutes. It finished at 2.14 in the morning. The fifth latest finish in U.S. Open history. Tiafo said this is why you put the time in to play the best guys in the world. The rematch, Paul, did not go as long or as late. It didn't, and Francis is coming off uh, an arm issue. Started off really well, got up the early break, and Rublev was doing such a good job. Once he got down, Rublev started to pressure more in the rallies, got the court position, was comfortable changing directions and really using weight of shot. And, man, it is so much fun to watch this guy's racket head speed. Even the great athleticism of Francis Tiafo came in second place in that first set after having the break and Rublev ramped it up in the second set even more aggressive Rublev saved all the break points he faced in the second set Francis struggled with that second serve he was only winning about a third of the second serve points and when that happens against a guy like Rublev you're in trouble because he controls the tempo of the rally gets inside the baseline and he swings even more aggressively if that's possible but for Francis it's the first time back in a while let's hope he stays healthy keeps that arm healthy he is a great player he's going to have a big year but a heck of an effort from Rublev last night. Yeah, he's won 11 straight matches, 16 and 2 on the year, and talks about getting a little revenge. To play Francis is never easy, especially the last couple of matches with tough battles, and I'm happy to be to, to win today, to, to be for the first time in the fourth round in Indian Wells. So we'll see what's going to happen. I mean, now no pressure. I did better than ever here, so just need to relax and try to play tennis. Jim Courier on the call pointed out that Rublev's signature grunt sounded a bit subdued against Tiafo, but he has yet to drop a set, Chanda. Uh, what was the difference in this match? Uh, he was just so aggressive, Rublev, and even once he got down a break in, in that first set, you know, he stayed the course, kept taking opportunities to move the ball, to go into the open court, and against an opponent who's, you know, a little underdone in matches. Francis hadn't played since the Australian Open, coming off of um, that elbow issue, just wasn't quite as crisp with his movement, and Rublev took full advantage of it. I thought he served well uh, on top of it in the those pressure moments, and just took a little bit more initiative. We, initiative. we saw some times where he came into the net in crucial points, uh, in crucial moments of the match, but it was just an aggressive style of play, and, and it was a bit smothering for Francis over the course of the night. It's, it's kind of fun to watch these guys play because Tiafo tries to use the athleticism in the all-court game to really smother Rublev's power from the back of the court. In the first set, Francis did that well to get the early break, but then Rublev was just relentless about it, and Francis wasn't able to consistently keep the level up and, and I think most importantly was a little vulnerable on his own second serve and, and that let Rublev swing away and feel less pressure in his own service game. So look, Francis is coming off the injured reserve list so he's just got to stay healthy, get some matches under his belt and I think uh, Tiafo is going to have a great year this year if he can stay healthy. You all both say smother. I'm thinking cream cheese, I'm thinking peanut butter, I'm thinking jam. A lot uh, of food <laughs> stuff for you today, Steve. <laughs> Steve, it sounds like, like your acai bowl. That's yes, what you're the post show me a little thought of. Smother me with that. Uh, he's got Hubie Hercotch next. Meantime, Taylor Fritz says he is a better player 
than when he came here in October, Paul. Made the semifinals back then. Pushed hard, though, yesterday by the qualifier, Jean Munar. He sure was. And Jim Courier said uh, that Rublev's grunt was uh, a little milder. Well, I'll tell you what, Jean Munar's grunt was Jean not. Munar. It was loud. It was boisterous. And so was his tennis. Taylor did a nice job to steal the first set, but things went south, uh, south quickly. A double fault there. And then another oops double fault here to go down the double break. I was so impressed with Taylor's ability to manage the situation. Munar did a great job with variety, keeping balls out of the strike zone. Taylor did panic, got a little bit frustrated, but did not panic and just fought hard with what he had on the day. And he used my favorite cliche in tennis. How do you manage your average game and how do you solve problems when you're not playing your best tennis? And young Taylor Fritz did a terrific job with that yesterday. Lost the break in the third set and it got into the tie break. And this point right here, that's bread and butter Taylor Fritz. Big two-hander down the line. Got the lead in the tie break. This is a really important win. When you can win playing average, you're doing just fine. They each won exactly 106 points, but Fritz won the bigger points when it mattered. Knowing where my, my game was at on the day, you know, certain shots weren't working for me, certain things weren't working for me, even though, like, I really, you know, wanted to, to do certain things. I think uh, kind of just accepting that I had what I had in that moment and then just competing and, and uh, kind of just battling, fighting through it was, was what kind of got me over the edge there. I don't think I played. I don't think I played bad by any means. He he did a lot of things that were really tricky and kind of just made me not not play great. Put me in a lot of uncomfortable positions. But uh, there's a lot of things that I would have liked to do better. Now then we got serve bot return bot more than a foot of height difference between John Isner and Diego Schwartzman. That is one thing that makes our sport so cool, Chanda. A real contrast in styles. Yeah, and Schwartzman he can compete with anyone, but it was just too tough on the day with how well Isner was serving. Schwartzman never got a break point, and that just puts more pressure on the serve. Isner was aggressive as well in the midcourt and at the net. He was throwing in the serving and volleying at times. And once Isner got that first set tucked away he relaxed even more and it just made it tougher for Schwartzman to try to make an impact in this match a little bit of frustration losing serve early in the second set but Isner capitalizing and it was impressive stuff 13 aces along with some unreturnables and it was just a comprehensive performance for John Isner all right, so Isner and Fritz joining Brooksby and Opelka in the fourth round. So a quarter of the Sweet 16 with the Stars and Stripes. We got some great matchups here. We shall see which of these Americans has the best shot to win it all. How good is your average day? Can you problem solve under pressure? That is what Paul Anacone wants to know. On the women's side, defending champ Paula Bedosa playing under the lights against Layla Fernandez. And Chanda, uh, is this... The longest coin roll in the history of the game. Uh, I, for me, yes, Steve. I would say absolutely. Delay a game. <laughs> Time violation on the coin. I wanted it to just it stop going and going. not fall over. <laughs> <laughs> Quarterfinal spot here worth nearly 180 grand. Chad, the last time they played, it was a qualifying match, and Bedosa won $940. Uh, well, Bedosa is a very different player. She is playing as a top player, very comfortable and confident, hitting through the court, and that's 
what got her the advantage in this match. Just a little more firepower than Layla Fernandez. And once she was able to get that extra break, Pedosa really served confidently to take that first set. And the serve was a huge weapon. Fernandez kept trying to attack. She was standing in very close on the Bedosa serve, but so often Bedosa able to serve her way out of trouble. And in that second set, Fernandez didn't go away. That's a staple of her game. She competes beautifully, but Bedosa just a little too solid when it mattered most. And you combine that with the extra depth and pace, and it was just difficult for Fernandez to get the edge in this match. Fantastic performance from Paula Bedosa, defending champion, and she keeps it all alive. Paul, what's your tagline for the Spaniard? Paula is a bad dose of tennis. <laughs> yeah, she is. More uh, traditional coin flip here. We got the 2015 chips. Mona Hallett looking to stay perfect against fellow Romanian players. Chanda taking on Serana Cristea. Yeah, Hallop, she is the number one Romanian, and she plays with that mantle on her shoulders very comfortably. Got off to a terrific start in this match. First set, taking it very easily against a tough opponent who can return well in Cristea, who can hit from the ground and go toe-to-toe, -to -toe. but Hallop so quick with her movement. She was seeing the ball huge, like a grapefruit, and when things got a little tough, where Kirstea maybe had some openings, Halep just closed the door beautifully. She is looking very good, very confident here, Steve. Has won 19 straight against women from Romania. Quarterfinals here for the fifth time, and first in four years, having a great start to the season. Speaking of great starts to 2022, Madison Keys going for her first quarterfinal in the desert against the British qualifier Harriet Darkpaul. Just awesome power tennis from Maddie Keys, and when she plays like this, it is such a joy to watch. At times you wonder if Maddie's going to be able to stay at the highest level when she serves poorly. Only 44% first serves, but what did she do? She was so good on her second serve, winning 70% of the second serve points. That'll allowed her to free up on the return game with lots of power, got off to a great start in the first set, and it was just a highlight reel after that. Such beautiful power tennis. And when she's confident, Steve, just look out if you're on the other side of the net. 81% of the points behind her first serve broke dart three times on the day. The 2022 resurgence of Maddie Keys continues. Really happy to get the win here today. First time in the quarterfinals, so that's a bonus. But I think I played a really solid first set and um, gave myself a lot of opportunities in the second set, and was um, just happy that I was able to capitalize on it and keep it pretty, you know, short and sweet. All right, taking a look at the draw quarterfinals, all set. Keys, Sviantek both reached the semifinals of the Australian Open this year. Sviantek won their only previous meeting in Rome last year. But Chanda, uh, MK told us she's more successful because she's no longer irrationally angry that the court is slow and just accepting what it is. Yeah, she's <laughs> accepting conditions, and that's always good because you can't change the court speed, Steve. <laughs> you can only adjust your mindset and your game, and, and that's what Madison Keys is doing so well right now. I mean, we saw the weapons that she has in her arsenal, but it's about being able to pull them out when you need them and pull them out consistently, and she was able to do that against a really tough competitor in Harriet Dart, who has had some matches, came through qualifying, uh, and she made a go of it in that second set, but I was so impressed 
impressed with the way Maddie Keys held her ground, held her nerve. She kept hitting out on her shots, giving herself a little more margin. She is so tough to beat when she's playing that way, and I'll be looking forward to seeing how she competes against Iga, Iga Svantec. It's amazing when you think that Maddie's won three matches more this year already than last year, but you, you hit on the key theme, acceptance, right? She's accepting that it's the slower surface. Taylor Fritz talked about acceptance in his press conference. The best players in the world find ways to accept what they can't control and think their way through it. And when Madison Keys does that with the skill set she has, it is awesome because she is so good she can take the racket out of your hand. And like I mentioned, yesterday it didn't serve great, 44% first serves, but crushing the ball and crushing every second serve point that she had to use to start the point. So that optimism, that positivity is something that's really going to reap a lot of benefits for Madison Keys. She's talked about having fun again on the court. You know what? It's fun to win. She keeps on winning. Uh, still to come here on TC Live. We have a special segment, a special interview about a new program to help financially support college players making that transition to the professional game. We also have all the rest of the highlights from day seven. We've got some big time hot shots on the way. Nearly 100 major titles back on the court. You don't want to miss Billie Jean King and Martina Navratilova playing against each other. That's right. And our experts break down the Flonase match of the day between Nick Kyrgios and Yannick Sinner. But first, after winning a national title at USC, Leslie Allen went on to a top 20 pro career. Hear why college tennis could be the best pathway to professional success. TC Live is brought to you in part by DraftKings. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, and new customers can bet $1 and win $100 if any point is won. Not in a sportsbook state? Download any of the apps and play for thousands every day in DraftKings free-to-play pools. Use code POINT when you sign up. And by Tennis Express. We deliver tennis right to your front door. Order today, ships today. And Flonase Allergy Relief. Spraying Flonase daily stops your body from overreacting to allergens all season long. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the desert. We've got multi-network coverage of Indian Wells beginning at 2 p.m. Eastern. Leif Shiras and Jen Michael Gamble have the call as Matteo Berrettini battles Misha Ketsmanovic, followed by the box office battle of Nick Kyrgios and Yannick Sinner. T2 coverage for our Samsung TV owners continues until 9 p.m. Eastern. A reminder to go to Tennis.com to get all the information you'll need to follow the BNP Paribas Open. Right now, Jordan Sanford writes about Caroline Wozniacki's first week as a part of the Tennis Channel team. And Steve Tigner has your three to see on day eight in the desert. Now time for the Bloomberg Business Report. This is a special Bloomberg update for Tennis Channel. A top story that we're diving into today is the effect of rising gasoline prices on consumer spending. Recently, the average price for a gallon of gas here in the U.S., $4.32. That is a huge surge over the last year. 
Not surprisingly, it is starting to take a toll on consumer spending, as witnessed by the February retail sales report. A small gain of up 0.3 percent. Not only is that a modest small gain, it also missed the survey of economists, and it is well below the up 1.8 percent median gain over the last eight months. Now, the White House is starting to take notice. Recently, President Biden complained about the high price of gas and said that if oil has come in, as it has from its recent high, down more than 20 percent from the $130 per gallon uh, per barrel uh, high, gasoline should follow. In New York, Abigail Doolittle, Bloomberg News. All right, thank you so much. We are leading up to the top of the hour. There he is, Taylor Fritz, going for his third straight Masters 1000 quarterfinal following Indian Wells and Paris last year. Chanda Paul and Steve back on TC Live from Danielle Collins to Jen Brady and John Isner to Kevin Anderson. College tennis has produced some of the best players in the world. Former USC Trojan and top 20 pro Leslie Allen has more on the past, present, and future of collegiate tennis. My tennis career really grew leaps and bounds, and that's because I went to college. In the era, this is the late 70s, you just didn't go from juniors to pros. Everybody spent some time in college. In order for me to really get better, I knew that I needed to go to a top university, and of course, the University of Southern California. On a daily basis, I was playing against top players, and good coaching, good facilities, plenty of practice time, so my game was able to rise. It was a sense of belonging, just a place where you could just learn and absorb and develop in tennis. So for me, to be in that tennis-rich environment on a day-to-day basis was the best thing that could have happened. When my teammates started talking about, well, I'm going to play some on the pro tour, by my senior year, when I was playing equal to them and beating them in practice matches, I'm like, they're thinking about going on a pro tour? So am I. Could I have made that transition from the juniors? Oh, absolutely not. I definitely needed college. When you go to college, you have a chance to mature as a person so that you can learn how to manage things and responsibilities that you have as a pro. You are surrounded by a team. They have the same fitness, the nutritionists, the indoor facilities, the outdoor facilities. They have everything an aspiring tennis player could want. And you also have the camaraderie. I'm not saying if you're playing college tennis, that you're not gonna go and play some pro events. You can play six or seven events on the pro tour. There was a time where you couldn't do both. The number of college players that were at this year's US Open, for instance. Between singles, doubles, and mixed, 66 of those athletes had played college tennis. And there were 36 different schools. And let me just add one other thing. With name, image, and likeness, you can make some money on your value and on your brand. And you don't have to go pro and avoid college in order to do that. College sports is an American phenomenon. So college tennis, you would think that it's filled with Americans, but it is not. 
it is global. More than 50% of the athletes that play on the tennis team are from other countries. The rest of the world has figured it out. They understand the value of what they have and they maximize that opportunity. But I think within the USTA, within the American public, it will begin to shift that they realize the American system of college tennis is training the future champions of the world. If everybody else knows it's such a good thing, why aren't we taking more advantage of it? So it's just such an incredible opportunity. This is a pathway. Yes, indeed. Thank you so much, Leslie, contributor to here at Tennis Channel. You can see her throughout the year and uh, just a wonderful person. Nine men currently in the top 100 of the world who played college tennis. Of course, on the women's side, Danielle Collins as well. Paul, you played at Tennessee. Chanda, uh, you went pro as a teenager, both incredibly successful. But, Paul, I'll start with you because you went the college tennis to pro route. How did it help you? How did that team atmosphere help you grow as a person and a player? Well, first of all, I never would have made it if I tried to turn pro as a junior. I, I wasn't ready. Um, I wasn't good enough, and I wasn't mostly emotionally ready to do it. Um, I had one of the best college coaches of all time, in my opinion, uh, the late, great Mike DePalmer Sr., who helped mold me to be prepared. It took me three years to get ready to play uh, pro tennis, and it worked for me. I, I just think it's a tremendous pathway. There's a stigma attached to college tennis that uh, is unjustified. You, you know, there are too many. I've worked for three different federations. There's too many people that think that this isn't a pathway. I was fortunate enough last night to talk to a bunch of Team SoCal juniors, and we were talking about it, what it means to be a champion. A champion is finding a way to maximize your potential no matter what your level is, and college is an immense benefit to anyone that goes there. Great resources, great coaching, tons of matches, and oh yeah, an education. So lots of growing up that goes along with it. I think it is so underutilized. Uh, I think Leslie did a tremendous job with this piece, and I would urge every parent, every coach, and every player to watch and re-watch this piece, because there isn't a way, there's lots of ways, and college is a good one. Yeah, I think, you know, for me, obviously going a very different pathway, I turned pro when I was 15, uh, but certainly college was on the radar. And because of, of where I was sort of in that pathway, I would have had to wait a little too long um, mm. to go to college. But I think that the real takeaway is that there are so many different ways to get to, you know, the same place in tennis, to, you know, make it as a pro, to create a really good career, a really good life for yourself within tennis. And I think college is one of those ways. You know, you look at some of the players who have been successful now as pros and college College tennis, the American college um, system, has created a number of good players for other countries. And I think, you know, that says a lot of it. I was really, um, I loved hearing Leslie kind of talk about the global nature of it. It's not just American, you know, college tennis for American players. It is global. And so many players from all around the world see the opportunity that exists, um, see the benefits. You know, in tennis, you need resources. You need to be able to continue to develop regardless of where you are in the 
the pathway, college provides an opportunity for players to do that if they find the right program, the right fit for themselves. Um, and, you know, the camaraderie and kind of having that, that team environment, that is such a huge benefit. And we hear a lot of pros kind of talk about, you know, sometimes enjoying that aspect, um, you know, more than the individual side of it. College provides that. So I love seeing that piece from Leslie and, and hearing her break it down the way she did. Yeah, certainly the addition of Labor Cup, the ATP Cup, they, yeah. they love those team events. I, I've been the volunteer assistant coach at LMU for the past couple of years, and all but one of our players, Paul, was not from the or was were foreign players, not from the U.S. How do we get more American players to take advantage uh, of college tennis, making that transition to the pros? Well, one of it is to raise the level of our junior play, is to get more really good junior players playing college tennis. And I think the college coaches, as you know, want to win, so yeah. they're going to get the best players they can get. A lot of our players are good enough, but perhaps go different pathways. Look, it's really simple. Like Leslie said, how about 66 players at last year? year's U.S. Open that got to play. There's a lot of different ways to get there. Remember, the all-time greats, they're the exception. They're not the rule. So find the best pathway that fits you and do not forget about college tennis. And as Leslie mentioned now, with the NILs, you can actually make money as well while you're in college. So uh, best of both worlds. Uh, Dr. Timothy Russell does a great job with the ITA as well. And love college tennis. Let's get out there. And we'll talk more about that in our next segment as it's not easy graduating from school to the pros, but find out why the financial burden will be less for a couple of college stars. Don't go anywhere. Mark Hurd championed the sport of tennis like none other. His love for the game inspired him to provide his alma mater Baylor with the Hurd Tennis Center in 2001. He also created the Oracle U.S. Tennis Awards, a pair of $100,000 grants given each year to two American college players who are launching their professional careers. Those awards have helped jumpstart the careers of Australian Open finalist Danielle Collins, former Georgia Tech star Chris Eubanks, and Mackie McDonald, who was an NCAA champion at UCLA. The Oracle Scholarship for me was amazing um, coming out of college, you know, having some financial support. The expenses of tennis starting out is pretty difficult from the bottom level. The roots are, uh, it's a lot out of pocket. It racks up. It, it just, it keeps going, it keeps going. And, and to be able to, like I say, have that burden kind of taken care of and being able to say, you know what, I'm coming out on tour. I can do things very, very professional. I can make sure I have my coach, make sure, you know, all of our travel expenses are covered, no shortcuts. It just kind of takes that weight off of you and allows you to just focus on playing tennis. Mark Hurd passed away in 2019 and left a legacy of generosity and support for our sport. His contributions to the Intercollegiate Tennis Association were instrumental in developing and expanding Oracle's partnership with the ITA. And now, in a partnership with Universal Tennis, those grants are coming back. The Hurd Tennis Awards will return for 2023. So one female and one male player will get a $100,000 grant to help them transition from college tennis to the pros. And we welcome, we are so happy to have on TC Live, Paula Hurd, who was married to Mark for nearly 30 years, and Stephen Amitraj 
of Universal Tennis. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. So cool to see that Universal Tennis and, and you, Paula, are teaming up to bring back these grants. Paula, what went into the decision to, to rebrand and, and revitalize these scholarships, these grants? Well, as you stated, my husband is very passionate about the sport, and we're always looking at ways to honor my late husband. This past summer, uh, the BNP announcer here, Andrew Krasny, happened to be up in San Jose, close to my hometown, and he said, come on over and watch the tournament. Well, Danielle Collins, a 2017 recipient of the award, ended up winning the tournament the same day Mackenzie McDonald was in D.C. and played in the finals against Sinner, mm. although he took second. It just really goes to show how these scholarships and awards can make a difference in these players' lives. That's amazing. And certainly, Danielle, getting to the top ten after making the Australian Open final this year, she's talked about it. We, we've heard from Mackie and Chris Eubanks how much this helped them. So, Stephen, how did Universal Tennis become a part of this? So, Universal Tennis is absolutely honored to work with Paula and the Hurd family to administer and distribute the awards. I mean, as you may know, and and many people in the in in college and juniors use UTR to understand their level. But in this case, it's amazing because the cl we can understand where the collegiate players translate into the pros. And it's just a perfect connection to our core mission to transform tennis and and combine it with our new developmental tour of over 185 events globally um, with over $20 million committed to this level of developing pro. And to determine who is getting these grants, uh, one male player, one female player, a couple of Paula's good friends, Lindsay Davenport, Tracy Austin, some of our teammates here at Tennis Channel. Stephen, how did you come up with this list uh, uh, of folks, great names in the world of tennis, to be on this council? Well, I mean, we're so lucky to have <laughs> these people want to be on the council with us. And, um, you know, former Grand Slam champions, um, people connected college tennis, whether through themselves or through um, their, their spouses or children. Um, but I think the commonality here is just a desire to really help American tennis and college tennis. And, you know, we are so lucky to have um, this group uh, guide us in the selection of the uh, recipients. Yeah, uh, all-star council right there. Uh, pretty amazing group that's going to determine who will get these grants next year. Uh, Paula, I, I know you've got some favorite players on tour. You've been watching tennis for so long. Who are you looking for here at Indian Wells this year? Uh, some of your, your favorite players to watch. Well, I'm going to have to go for Rafa this year. He's uh, undefeated this year. Uh, I've had the opportunity to spend some time with him over the past decade because I've been working with my husband and Oracle on this tournament, and he's been a key component to it. So that's my vote. All right, Rafa, that's a pretty good one. He's won here three times. What's it like to spend some time with one of arguably the greatest tennis players of all time? I have to tell you, he's super guy, and during these matches, we used to have the collegiate tournament where we'd bring the college teams over to an estate in Rancho Mirage, and he would speak to them, and there would be female players literally crying to be in the presence of him. And just he is so solid and so personable and couldn't be uh, more thankful for his contribution to the sport and how he is with all others. Yeah, he, he is an incredible champion, 21 majors now. Uh, we are here talking about universal tennis a little bit and college tennis. We've got a great matchup today, Stephen. We've got two players. Jensen Brooksby spent a year at Baylor, didn't get to play any dual matches for them, but went to Baylor. And then Cam Norrie from TCU, who won this event last year. Well, break it down for us using universal tennis. Well, I mean, it is an all-Big 12 matchup here. Yes. Quarterfinals, day, uh, <laughs> quarterfinals day at, uh, at VNP Paribas. Um, look, Norrie's been playing unbelievable, coming off a win in Delray, coming off a win here last year. Um, but, you know, Jensen Brooksby, 
movie has been really kind of coming through lately. Um, we have a slight nod to Nori in this match. But, I mean, I, I just can't bet against Brooksby. I think that he's just a pretty special guy. And these are gonna, this is going to be an incredible match between two court generals that really use every inch of the court. And I'm just really excited to watch it. Yeah, Brooksby, did you see that win against Sitsipas? I mean, that was incredible. Incredible. Great comeback. Um, you're probably going to ask me what my preference is. I uh, had my late husband attend and play tennis at Baylor, and my daughter attended Baylor, so there's a slight bias there. Got to go with the Baylor Bear, then. Got to go with the Baylor Bear. <laughs> Jensen Brooksby. It's going to be a fantastic matchup. Paula, Stephen, thank you so much for spending some time with us, and thank you for, for bringing these grants back, because it really has helped college tennis players make that transition to the pros, as we've seen, and get high in the rankings, win tournaments, and uh, live out their dreams. We're excited to announce the winners next year with you. We'll be in here, and it'll be exciting. All right, fantastic. Thank you, Steve. Thanks for joining us here on TC Live today. A lot more still to come, including Jensen Brooksby and Cam Norrie. Our featured matches on Tennis Channel today. Taylor Fritz starts us off against Alex D. Menor. We've got Paula's favorite, Rafa, taking on Riley Opelka. Halep and Martish, they played in the quarterfinals here in 2018. Madison Keys, Iga Sviantek, Alcaraz. Cannot wait to see him take on Gal Monfils. And then that all hashtag college tennis matchup at the bottom between Nori and Brooksby. Back with more after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Anna Cohn, Ruben Weissman back on TC Live. We have you covered every single day of the BNP Paribas Open at 1 p.m. Eastern leading up to the day session. The night session begins at 9 p.m. Eastern, and it's 24-7 coverage from Indian Wells as the Encore presentation leads you all the way up to Tennis Channel Live the very next day. More action from yesterday featuring American Tommy Paul taking on Alex DeMenor. Chanda, uh, the Aussie said this was one of those matches where at the end of last year I would have lost, and now I'm feeling a lot better on court. Yeah, I mean, this match really came down to confidence. A tough start to the tie break for Tommy Paul. A couple of errors, the leg cord from DeMenor, and it was just too far for him to recover from. DeMenor so solid from the back of the court, understanding when to pull the trigger and getting that first set under his belt was huge and he took a lot of momentum into the second set but it was still tight and it was right when Devonor was able to get a couple of passing shots was able to get the break of serve in that second set allowed him to hold on to that momentum and he just understood when to step up when to go for it a little more Tommy Paul has been terrific last season continuing that form into this season but it was Devonor on the day and what a big win for him the Demon moving into the fourth round for the second straight year. Then we had Hubie Hercotch and Stevie Johnson. They used to share the very same coach, Craig Boyton, now CB full-time with the Polish star. Paul, no secrets between these two. No secrets, and the set point for Stevie Johnson had a couple of them in the first set. Couldn't make the passing shot. Hubie Hercotch did some tremendous things, winning 41 of 46 first serve points. And right here seals the deal yes. to close out the first set. Stevie's not very happy about it. 
had those two set okay. points, and Hubie Hercotch gets over the hump, and uh, Stevie gets some frustration out. Terrific to see Stevie Johnson playing some good tennis again. Um, in the second set, Hubie got that early lead. Pretty sure Coach Craig Boynton wouldn't have loved that tweener right there at 3-1. Uh, but since he had the break of serve, Hubie was a little bit more confident, a little bit more cushioned. As mentioned, did not lose his serve, saved all three break points, and really did a good job once he got over the hump in the first set. And right here yeah, at 5-3, seals the deal on the error. But uh, terrific effort for Hubie, and great to see Stevie playing some good tennis again. Yeah, for Stevie J, by the way, one of those guys using college tennis to make a pathway Absolutely. to the pros. Was we go. Number one ranked American at one point. Greatest collegiate player of all time at USC. But if you're a coach and you still win the point, tweeners okay, right? No. <laughs> Even if you win the point. No, not, not if there's an option. Hubie basically had to pull on, put, put up the full flaps there to slow down so he could hit that. No, you do it in the, uh, you do it in your practice matches. You do it with Taylor in the practice matches with his ridiculous lefty <laughs> serve. And you do it, you know, that's fun. The reason, Paul, people are going to be tuning in to our regional sports networks today is to see Nick Kyrgios hit tweeners like that. It brings the fans in. Our, awesome. It's our, our awesome. Flonase match of the day. Yannick Sinner, Nick Kyrgios going head-to-head for the very first time for a spot in the quarterfinals. Chanda, you are going to take the Kyrgios side because Paul wants no part of the, the fancy tweeners. And I'm Paul, a you're fan. Gonna... I'm a fan of Nick. I just don't love <laughs> the tweeners. Uh, all right, Chandler, we'll start, we'll start with you. Kyrgios, uh, does he dictate what goes on in this match? What does he need to do? I think he can dictate uh, what goes on in this match. You know, the question is, is he going to be able to control tempo consistently? Um, you know, how kind of plugged in, how uh, consistent will Kyrgios be over the course of the match? He's been so impressive in these matches here in Indian Wells. He's been solid. He's played pretty straightforward tennis. I mean, he's been going to the big weapons. He's been Serving big, hitting big from the ground, looking to control the middle of the court, playing Steve Gasp. Kind of standard tennis. I mean, it's been it's been pretty impressive. Um, I think Yannick Sinner, he's just such an impressive guy, the way he competes. For Kyrgios, he's going to have to take it to him. He's going to have to consistently bring the type of tennis he's been playing. We'll see, hopefully, you know, a little magic from the Kyrgios racket, but hopefully he will continue in this straightforward fashion. He's got a real shot in this one, and I'm looking forward to this matchup. Yannick Sinner has had the maturity since he was you know, probably 12 years old, Paul. Uh, what, what does he need to do? It, it's the Nick Kyrgios show, but for Sinner, what are, the, what are the keys? Well, the big thing for Yannick Sinner is to control his serve game. Um, that's where he can be a little bit vulnerable if he misses a lot of first serves. Nick Kyrgios has arguably the best serve on tour. Uh, not a lot you can do unless he misses a lot of first serves. So for Yannick Sinner, control your serve game. Try to impact the second serve of Nick Kyrgios. And when you do get to neutral, make these points lateral and make them long. Yannick Sinner has a lot of weight of shot. Don't want Nick standing around dictating with that flat two-hander and the slap shot forehand. So you've got to keep him on the move. All right. We're going to have Leif Shires, Jan Michael Gamble on the call on our regional sports networks and T2 as well. Speaking of that, there is a whole experience to watch the action here at Indian Wells. Five different ways right here on Tennis Channel, the RSNs, T2, TC Plus, Tennis.com. If you're not able to, to see the tennis here, you just don't want to. So if you want to, check it out. We'll be right back.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Steve Chandapal back on TC Live. Two of the last three major champs remaining on the women's side. Iga Sviantek and Angie Kerber. And for the third straight time, Chanda, Iga had to come back from a set down. Yeah, Kerber started off well, attacking second serves and also showing a lot of variety as well. Playing pretty close to the baseline at times, forcing errors from Sviantek. But in that second set, this is an area that Sviantek has done so well in its recovering. It was resetting, not panicking, started getting on the drop shots of Kerber, forcing a few more errors. She's also, Iga Sviantek, started defending her second serves. That gave her the ability to play a bit more confidently from the baseline. And when she needed to, she stepped in and was able to take that second set. And into the third, both players actually playing at a high level. Kerber getting the break here but Sviantek immediately striking back and able to get it back on serve. Great forehands yeah. over the course of this match when she needed them. And again, the serve was firing. Got some free points off of the first serve, and it was a comprehensive win uh, down the stretch in the third. Impressive stuff from Sviantek. Eighth straight win, now a WTA leading 17 victories on the season. Then we had the boss man in form and fashion, Paul, Matteo Berrettini. And he had to work in this second set against Lloyd Harris. Yeah, two very big, strong athletes. And Harris was up a break in the second Yay. set. Terrific job from Matt Berrettini to not panic. Just stay with the big offensive power that gets him in the right position. And uh, Berrettini is so impressive when he gets that first serve, first strike going. But uh, look at the big athletic Harris. Gets the lead. Hangs in there. Berrettini faces some set points. Does a nice job just managing the situation. So he doesn't have to push it to a third. Down 5-3. And uh, a good job right here on the set point. Look at the little touch lob over Harris's head. Oh, and wait. He doesn't hit a tweener. But he, he lost does. the point. Well, there you go, Steve. I knew you had to throw that in my face. Right? <laughs> Matt, Matt Berrettini comes back and serves it out at 6-5. A heck of an effort. And uh, terrific to see the Italian healthy and strong and slapping that forehand around. ABT, Paul, always be tweening. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> but seven. is he a bad... No, no, no. Uh, uh, Paula is a bad dosa. Yeah, but is he? Is Matt a bad dose of tennis? Uh, does that work, Chanda? I don't know. I don't get it. <laughs> dose, of a dose of tennis. Paul oh. is a bad dose of tennis. Oh, okay. okay. I got See? it. Come on, guys. Okay. Get with the program. Okay. We're a little slow this morning, Just trying Paul. to improv a little bit. You Keep have it had an here. extra cup of Jess coffee. Jess is falling asleep in the corner. Watch. I mean, this is... Come on. You know who's under the radar right now? Grigor Dimitrov, right? Yes. Made the semifinals here last year. He's not out on Stadium One. We haven't showed his highlight in a while. He's got may, the best wrist candy in the game, and uh, he's crushing Bublik in straight sets. That may be about to change, Steve. We may be showing some Dimitrov highlights going forward. I feel like we should, right, Paul? Why not? Yeah. All right. Uh, I hear he may be coming up later in the show. Right. Time to enter the social net. And uh, for the social net, we've got to honor our man, 
J-Dubs, John Wertheim with the Bud Collins Media Award, recognizing his effort in covering, promoting, and supporting this event well-deserved. I mean, John's the guy. Uh, This is fantastic. He is awesome. Love John Wertheim. So smart, understands tennis and all of these little sub-stories and has a great way of delivering uh, the information as well. So congratulations, John. Absolutely. Salt of the Earth, JW works so hard. He's got 17 jobs, 60 minutes, Sports (laughs) Illustrated, Tennis Channel, along with the 14 other ones and uh, gives us the time. Will he still give us the time of day? Now that We'll see him in Roland Garros. We miss him here in the desert. Always, J-Dubs. Always miss you. Congrats, my friend. Yes. Good stuff. Uh, How about this? Billie Jean King, Martina Navratilova. They go back a ways. And they're still playing against one another. 98 combined major titles. Volleyed about. This is so cool. Everybody should still watch them volley. Yes. Okay? Just watch these two legends volley. It's incredible. They could still do a clinic up at the net and... uh, history right there, huh, Chanda? Yeah, just rock solid. I'm always looking at the racket, how beautifully it stays behind the quiet, ball. right? Everything's quiet. It, it is. Well, and it's too easy still. Billie Jean Martina. They make it look that way, right? It's not that easy. Unbelievable. <laughs> Love seeing this, though. That happened yesterday. That's amazing. After uh, after Martina works and yes. does her full they day, both still got <laughs> she's not it. done yet. They both yet. still got it. Oh. <laughs> uh. 98 combined majors. I just like it's mind-boggling that and still out there on the tennis court. Uh, our coverage on the regional sports networks today. We've got that big one that we talked about: Kyrgios and Sinner plus Berrettini, Ketsmanovic quarter spot for quarterfinal spots on the men's side will be decided today at two Eastern. When we come back, it's that hot shot that m- maybe it has Grigor Dimitrov. Back in the desert, it is day eight of the BNP Paribas Open at Indian Wells. The hot shot of the day. Haven't seen it yet, Paul. What do we have? We got to have some athleticism, and we got to have Grigor Dimitrov. First, I was a little frustrated with this overhead. Like to see a little more MPHs, but then when you see the elasticity, the flexibility, and the flick of the wrist, I wasn't so mad anymore. Look at the movement. This is still one of the best and most athletic people on tour. A little curveball down the line, Chanda, huh? Yeah, I just called him Gumby. And even Ublik, <laughs> who is usually hitting those crazy shots, yeah. even he was impressed. There was another moment where he literally did the splits. I know. It's crazy. Uh, Fritz Dimonor starts us off top of the hour. We will have the coverage of that. Paul will be in the player box. Don't forget to put on your sunscreen, Paul. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's uh, yeah, it's like, I think, six now. On is the, it a six? Yeah. All right. Very dangerous. Uh, Opelka, Nadal, we'll follow that. We got Hallett, Martich, Fiante, Keys, Malfis, Alcaraz, Nori, Brooksby. Every day here in the desert, we've had some spectacular matches. Let's start talking about that Nadal-Opelka matchup. You got the big serve of Riley Opelka. You got the man who refuses to lose this year, Chanda. Um, Opelka was even asked earlier because he had lost in Rome last year on clay. He said, how about the American hard courts? That's going to help you out? He said, not really. What do you think? <laughs> Well, I think you have to downplay it a little bit if you're Opelka. You don't want to, you know, 
put it out there that you have all these high expectations and be disappointed. But I think Opelka has a good shot. I mean, certainly it'll be better for him playing Nadal on these hard courts versus the clay they played on on in their last meeting. Uh, His serve slows up just a bit on these slower surfaces. It gives Nadal a little more opportunity to get those shots back and to extend rallies. So I think if Opelka can move the serve around, if he can use just a little additional speed he may get from these courts, play the type of confident tennis he's been playing because he's been hitting well, I think, from the ground on top of it. And also maybe take a few more chances on returns. Try to create a little havoc um, on the Nadal serve. He could definitely have a shot in this one. Yeah, I'm not worried about Riley's serve so much. I think he's got to have a really strong mentality returning. Uh, look, Rafa's been a little bit vulnerable here, a lot vulnerable against Seb Gorda, down 5-2 in the third, was down an early break to Dan Evans. He's still Nadal. No, yeah. Nothing is easy against him. But when you're Riley Opelka and you have that huge weapon, Count on that. Ask yourself, how am I going to impact the Nadal serve? Short points, lots of power. Don't give Rob rhythm, and you got a good shot. All right, looking forward to that. Really excited to see Gal Malfis, crazy shot maker. And Carlos Alcaraz, he is the next guy, because if he makes the quarterfinals here, would be the youngest to do it since Michael Chang back in 1989. That's been a minute. Quick comment on this match, Chanda. Yeah, I'm excited to see this a first-time matchup between a real veteran and this young up-and-comer uh, guy who slaps the ball around. We'll see what he has against Monfils, who is so solid. He's so technically sound in all these areas. We heard how well he's been moving. Saw that uh, in his last match um, against Medvedev. So this should be a good one, a real test for Alcaraz. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch the firepower of Alcaraz and the great skill set of Monfils defending. We saw what Alcaraz did in the last round against RBA. Can he do it against arguably the most athletic man we've seen? Uh, it's going to be fun. Gael is feeling confident and comfortable. This is going to be a big ask for Monfils. It'll be a lot of good points. All right. Uh, top of the hour. We've got Taylor Fritz about to, about to walk on the court. Uh, have you all discussed at all where you sit in the golf cart, Paul? No, I'm going to leave that for later because I, I, I figure that that's not a little uh, – I'm, I'm not a big believer of that voodoo kind of stuff. Does you know? Taylor believe in that kind of stuff? Haven't asked him. Don't want him any – have any uh, superstitions. <laughs> we'll stick with the tennis. Don't give him any ideas. No. Chanda, what would be your pep talk for Taylor Fritz in this match? Uh, you won yesterday not playing your best at times, but you battled. You competed well. You do that again, play a little better, no problem. We've got four American men into the fourth round here, the most since 2004. Back then, it was Agassi, James Blake, Taylor Dent, Marty Fish, Andy Roddick. This year, it is Taylor Fritz, Jensen Brooksby, John Isner, and Riley Opelka. We are seeing big things from the next generation. Uh, it's been fun to watch uh, at this event, the way they have played such confidence. In and I also think that, you know, seeing the others make those strides, it, it kind of motivates you. And uh, it's always good to have a little group doing well like this. Ranked as high as number there is the Aussie. In the world with five singles titles from Australia, Alex Dumanur. Demon walking out there. Taylor said it is always tough to play this guy. He brings all the speed, the quickness. And Andrew Krasny set to introduce the American. 2021 as the number one American. It's Southern California's very own Taylor Fritz. And there is Taylor Fritz coming out onto the court. Cannot wait for this one. A spot in the final eight on the line. Brett Haber, Jim Courier have the call for you. Chanda and myself will be here on the desk throughout the day for the big interviews, all the updates. Don't go anywhere. It is a big day of tennis in the desert.